0: It's not a time where we're going to feel sorry for ourselves. We'll find our way through this. This is going to make it all the much more sweeter when we we'll get to where we want to go.
1: Martinez back on the track near the wall. She's gone. It's a grand slam. The right next to the Denver, John Carlin. Oh, no. Nosy Woscafala. He hits a home run a line on line drive in the right field seat. On a grand old slam. Old slam. Way, and the Yankees now take a 6-4 lead. 560 State Street.
0: Kepler lines that in the air to
1: left center. Hicks on the run, dives and he made the catch. He made the play. Oh my goodness! What a catch from Aaron Hicks to end it. In that sense, both looking forward to making a deep run into the postseason and ultimately bringing home the title back to New York. welcome back to the Yankee Center podcast. Today it's me, Luke Becker, and my bud Thomas Smith, but no Eddie today. He's got some stuff to do, but you know what? It's fine. It's We're gonna still have all the fun, but he will be missed as always.
0: All right, we Tom, I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> you know, it's been, it's, it's been, it's been a rough ride. It's been a rough ride this season. Uh, yeah. You know, the Rays just have our number. There, there was some really, there were some really great games. There were some really, mm-hmm. really depressing games. And we're gonna talk about it. There's a lot of stuff that happened there, since our last episode. Uh, we had what trade deadline. Uh, our, ace, our ace died for a moment. Uh, Jordan yep. Montgomery pooped himself on the mound. Uh, Indeed, he did. We made an improbable comeback. Against the Mets, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that happened. Clint Frazier just like cemented himself as a piece of the future. Like, been uh-huh. a mixed bag.
1: Oh, it's a mixed bag, all right. Well, where should we start? You want to just get trade deadline out of the way because I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to hear that right off. Yeah, the bat.
0: let's 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 roll with the
1: trade deadline here. I uh, well, okay. I'm gonna sum I'm it up I'm pretty gonna, quick. All right. Go for it. Yeah, pretty simple. We did nothing. And the question you're all probably thinking, why would Cashman do nothing? In a season like this, where he clearly built a phenomenal team and had a great shot at a World Series run, why is he not adding when reinforcements are clearly needed? And I think there's a couple legit answers, probably three or four legit answers, honestly, that all play a part in this. All right, Tom. I'm gonna to, I'm gonna tell you. I want to see if you agree with all this. All right. Yes. Well, well, first, I'm like, this is not an order of significance, just random order. I think the first one I'm gonna talk about is financial, you know, financial aspect because it's been made clear by a number of reporters the Yankees are not looking to add any money whatsoever, even the tiniest bit. They just weren't looking to add. Like, and and a season like this, you know, the the salaries are cut into a third pretty much. So you're not really gonna be paying guys a ton of money, but I guess it also is part of you know, them making their regular salary for next year that has teams particularly the Yankees in this case, being scared off of a guy like Lance Lynn or a uh, Starling Marte, maybe. And mm-hmm. aside from that, I think there's also the um, you know Cashman really wanting to hold on to his prospects. Because he said these are guys that they feel will help in the immediate future. Definitely V. Garcia, for example, and um, definitely Clint Frazier and also the you know, future future looking towards next year. Someone like Clark Schmidt, maybe. Mm-hmm. So with that said, I think those are the two big reasons why they did not make any moves. And also I do think Cashman really also thinks it's a third reason. The reinforcements will come and he's banking on that. It's a soup big risk. But he is legitimately going to bank on that because this is a wild season with COVID, and, and he is not really trying to go all out in this particular season. In my opinion, that's
0: just how I see it. Hmm. I I agree. I agree. Uh, I think really, if you take, you know, I think if the Yankees were to trade for, say, a Clevenger, you probably have to give up Clint and if you take Clint exactly off of this team right now you are banking on Luke Voigt playing like an MVP because there's no offense after Clint, D- uh, Clint DJ Voigt and Gio alright so yeah. like, you can't subtract bats right now when we don't have any uh, I also, agree also Clint Frazier if, say those reinforcements do come, say Glaver is back on Friday, say Giancarlo's back next week, say Judge is back in two, three weeks. Clint Frazier's our left fielder in the playoffs. You're right. If this isn't this isn't like some guy that we have to play now and then eventually he's gonna ride the bench. No, he's a starting outfielder on this team. He won. He won the yep. job. Mm-hmm. He did it. He beat. He he beat Talkman. He beat Gardner. He did he it. He Yeah. He, he leapfrogged leapfrogged Andujar. He leapfrogged Gardner. He leapfrogged Andujar. Stanton's a DH, all right. You're gonna have an outfield in the playoffs if everyone's healthy. Your outfield in the playoffs is Garden is uh, Clint in left, Hicks in center, Judge and right. standing at DH, and then late in games, you're probably gonna have Gardner and or Talkman come in to play left field for Clint. But Clint's bat has really taken off and he can play defense now. And he's second in DRS amongst our outfielders. He's been tremendous. So are you going to trade our starting left fielder for a guy who pitches one every five days? It doesn't make sense.
1: I would have to agree. You know, right now I'm with the state of the team. You know, we do technically have um, you know, Glaber Torres is coming back this weekend and um, should be coming back, you know, within a week, hopefully. But you don't know how these guys are going to do. You know, Glaber was totally struggling before he even got injured. I hope he, you know, figures it out when he gets back. But there's no guarantee that happens. Stanton, God knows way. how long we'll even be back. Well, that's a low bar, but yes and you know John Carlo God only knows how long he'll be back off the IL the guy lives on it more than off it so the reality is the Yankees really need all the bats they can get and so far this year Clint Frazier has proven himself to be a legit bat and I always we always knew he was a legit bat that was never the concern like you said it's been defense and so far he's been an above average defender and you know we were talking about um, that Bob Clapish interview on the um, sure Porch podcast earlier and Clint Frazier was described as someone the Yankees now see as part of their future because he proved them wrong in every possible way whether you're talking about his defense, his bat if they had any doubt there, to doubt they did his off the field antics he, he walked his it. professionalism he literally proved them wrong in every possible way so right now he's the left fielder for the future, and I think he's really earned that. And I could not be happier for the guy. I really couldn't be.
0: He did it, man. He did it. He freaking, he freaking turned into the player that we hoped. And I, I don't yep. have any doubt about him. Oh my God. Someone's dying back there, jeez All right. But <laughs> still, left left field. That's his now, man. Gardner's cooked. Yeah. Talkman looks like he's swinging like. A freaking hammer right now. Like a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. It looks like the bat is too heavy for him. It reminds me of me trying to hit in Little League. I was a pitcher. All right. So, I, you, what, we're going to play Brett Gardner in left field in the playoffs? No. Clint did it, man. I'm very excited. I, I've been on the Clint train since I was, what, 16? Yeah. I'm almost able to drink. It took a while. It took a while, but it happened. Yep. And he walks now. His walk rate is like 15%. The league average is like 8%. All right? This dude is on fire. He turned his game to another level, much like, I'm going to segue here, much like Luke Voigt, because we are talking about the Clappers interview. Luke Voigt, my God, he's playing like an MVP right now.
1: Yeah, Luke Voigt is really, you know, in a time where the Yankees lost their guys they were counting on to be MVPs, like Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge, of course, even Glaber, Luke Voigt stepped up in a way we couldn't have even imagined. He's not just the best hitter on the team right now. He's a legit American League MVP candidate with his offensive numbers. The guy is doing everything you can ask. I mean... And if you just, even the metrics they show, this is no fluke. This is Luke Voigt. You know, he's expected weighted on bases among the elites. He's expected slugging his 98th percentile. He's an elite hitter. He's an elite hitter. His barrel percentage is 95th. You know, when this this guy makes consistent hard contact, and he consistently manages to make contact. I mean, and I couldn't really ask more from him. And you know, the Yankees took notice too going into the season. This guy is. I hate to use this because we say this every spring training, but in this case, it mattered. He was in the best shape of his life. I genuinely mean it that. Was. He was. He the guy, look at him. The guy lost a ton of weight. He's more mobile than before, and you can see it. Although, he's, he's oh, not yeah. a great it's defender at first base. It's no, low. he's not a great defender at first base by any means, but he is 100% in my mind. I see improvement on his defense, and I think part of that is the mobility. He's able to move a bit more than before.
0: Whatever he did, I want them to teach it to like John Carlo and Joe, because this dude became like nimble. I've never seen this. I've never seen. I've never seen a, a fat guy turn into like a skinny guy
1: and be good. I mean, I still remember like early in the season, I was getting him confused with Gio or shallow when he was at the plate. It was so weird.
0: Dude, he. He is on another level right now. He's what he's hitting three hundred too. It's not like it's not like he's hitting like two fifty where, where he only he only walks and hits a home or no, he gets his hits too. He just does everything.
1: I mean Just analyzing what the Yankees are doing a bit offensively, I've come to the conclusion that as as a team, I think they their philosophy has changed a bit and interests me because uh, they always value walks, of course, and they still do. Look at a guy like Aaron Hicks. But I do think that they've taken a bit more of an aggressive approach compared to before. Because the walk rates on a lot of their big guys this year, I've noticed they've gone down. And it hasn't you know, led to a, a decrease in production at all from certain guys like Judge or um, Luke Voigt so far. But there is a noticeable dip. And I think that... It, is definitely intentional just because I see it across the team with the exception of, again, Aaron Hicks, who continues to walk like a maniac. But, you know, um, I definitely find that interesting, you know, working out so far. So keep it going.
0: Yeah. uh, Whatever Luke Floyd is doing, just like teach it to like Gary, like just like, hey, just pass that pass that good magic around because we can use it, especially towards the bottom of the order. You know, we're going to have to get yes. Tyler Wade in the best shape of his life soon. All right.
1: Bottom of the order is abysmal.
0: Ugh. Just, I just, I can't. Uh, all Uh. right. Very, very simple question that I have for you. Yeah, what, is, yes. what is what is wrong with Brett Gardner wrong. and Mike Conklin right now?
1: Um. You see, the simple answer would be, he just finally, catching up to him father time has finally come but you know what I don't know because it's weird to think that look at what he did last year it's hard to imagine such a huge dip there because of age it just seems a little unusual from one year to the next like that because he, he literally just had possibly the best offensive years of his career last year and that's not even an exaggeration like the guy had what like 28 home runs I think yeah, and he had an OPS in the 800s. Like for Brett Gardner, that's like unheard of. And of course, you can say you know juice balls, but keep in mind, I'm pretty sure the balls are still juiced this year after looking at a decent amount of these home runs. I don't think the juice balls have been taken away <laughs> at all. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm so, gonna look. I'm gonna look. You know, like, with that in mind, it's hard to think that it's. I don't think it's an age thing, and I don't think it's a juice ball thing either. It could be an age thing. I don't know. I don't know how bodies could slow down in the span of a year, but uh, it seems like some, something's up with him. I don't know what it is. If it is age, you know, that's,
0: that's rough. His, his metrics last year weren't too great, honestly. Like it. I know they weren't. It were. might have been just like a really lucky year. For him last year, that just. The power though, that's the weird thing. The I don't see
1: how oh, the power could have been. That's that's so odd to me because how many home runs does he have this year? Like three, yeah, three. And he has a uh, 6.33 OPS.
0: Oof. Oof. And it's higher than Gary's. That's that's bad. <laughs> he had a nice single yesterday though. Gary. Gonna give him credit for that. I like how he shortened up and like just. I refuse to give him credit. (laughs) I will give him credit when he does good things. I'll give him credit when he does good. I will give him credit when he does
1: good things for a week straight.
0: Yeah, I mean we haven't. I mean besides that, he had one week where he was hitting some homers, where he hit like a, a homer like three or four days in a row, but really. Besides that, it's been like... I, I did a deep dive yesterday. Okay, so this is going to be the Gary Sanchez deep dive portion of this podcast. I did a deep dive Go for it. into his uh, into all the metrics and stuff. He's hitting the living crap out of the ball when he makes contact with the ball. His walk rate is above average. It's like 9%, and the league average is 8%. You yeah. want to know what happened? You want to know what happened? You wanna know why Gary Sanchez isn't good right now? The his K strikeout rate. His strikeout, rate? What is rate, it? Yep. His strikeout rate jumped twelve percent above his above his career average. He averaged twenty-six percent strikeout rate for his yeah. career. It's thirty-eight percent now. The league average is twenty-one percent. So he was already striking out as at an above average rate, but still It is, like, in, like, his, like, numbers are in, like, the second percentile in, like, ex woba and stuff. It's so bad. His contact. He literally lost the ability to make contact with the baseball. That is the issue. If he makes contact with the baseball, his barrel percentage, his hard hit rate is crazy good. He would be having, like, a luke-voit season if he could make contact with the baseball. That is how, that is, it is bizarre. He's hitting, like, one 43 against fastballs this year, with like a 197 expected batting average. So it's not, it's not like he's like, it's not like his expect he's like underperforming too much. He's just been that he just can't put the bat on the ball right now, and it's it's scary. It's scary to see a 27 year old not be able to make contact with the baseball.
1: I mean, it's hard to disagree. You know, Gary Sanchez is a guy we've been counting on for years. He's always been an offensive force going back to 2017, 2016, and I mean, hey, even parts of last year he really looked like he Gary had, Sanchez. He, but he was
0: great last year, besides July.
1: He had like
0: he had like half a good year, I think, like half a good was, year maybe. It was the majority. The, the other was half the majority was Majority of the year, that one month was so bad that it tanked his numbers. To where the point where you thought that he was bad for half of the year instead of just one month. That's how I bad. I'd have his to July do was.
1: a deep dive.
0: I'd have to do more of a deep dive on that, but yeah. But every other the month, starless, besides, you know, Gary. Every other month besides July, his o, his OPS was above eight. I think.
1: Okay.
0: And You know what? If that's the case, then yeah, that's more than acceptable
1: for Gary Sanchez his, because as his a catcher, was that's so pretty- bad.
0: Like, no, I remember. A- that's the issue. But I mean, his slumps go for too long. That's what I'm
1: saying. In, in nor- September, did he have a
0: good month? Uh, I believe he came back. Remember, he got hurt, so he played like 10 games, but he hit like a few homers during that month. So it was like he had like a, a thousand OPS in September, I think.
1: Okay, <laughs> that's playing. weird because I remember him being so horrible going into the postseason, so, so that bad. That was because Not just in he had it, to come back from it. the injury.
0: He had to come back three oh, yeah. days before the playoffs were about to start. He only played like ten games in September. Like the first week of September he played and then he got hurt. Then he came back, played like three games at the end to try to get some at bats and that and so that's that's how you remember Gary kind of finishing. But he was much better than the two thirty two, three twenty on base percentage that you saw. He was he was probably supposed to hit, like, I believe his expected batting average was, like, 250, even with the bad month. So, like, he was great last year besides one month. Look at me. Look at me defending Yarek.
1: <sighs> I just, I am struggling to defend him, if I'm being honest. But you know what? I hope he figures this out, obviously, because he's an important part to this team. I don't know what the, the Yankees would even have. They would approach this if he doesn't figure it out, you know, used to we said in the what we saw in the clappish interview, you know internally, they are getting kind of nervous on Gary, and it's hard not to get nervous, you know, I personally have very little faith in him right now. I'm being honest, I really don't have much, and the Yankees seem to be heading that way if things continue the way they are and to, to clarify, I don't think the Yankees intend to get rid of him. I think regardless of how he plays, the Yankees are going to ride him out. Until he is a free agent, one way or another, simply because they do not want to spend, let's say, a crazy amount on someone like Rio Muto. And the Yankees, they've been drafting a while now. You know, they've been preparing for Gary Sanchez potentially leaving, and I fully expect him to leave when that time comes. And I think they're banking on someone, whether it be, a, you know, an Anthony Siegler or Josh Bro or an Aust- Austin Wells, please be Austin Wells, that comes up and saves the day at catcher. But we're gonna have to wait and see on that.
0: Yeah, uh, with Gary, it's like he de- he can determine his future these next two years. If you want to, he's got to make contact with baseball. Simple, simple as that. He's his framing numbers great. He's got a gun for an arm. He, everyone loves throwing to him. It's not he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad player. He's just a player that can just lose it and that's kind of one of the scary yeah. traits that he has like that's that's what scares me about Gary he he's the guy that just can't get out of his own way when something goes bad and mm-hmm. the, and it's really hard to commit to someone like that when you know if this guy has like one bad game it could turn into one bad month could turn into one bad year yeah and now here we are he's hitting what 200 the last 3 years and it's like he had, he had a great great year last year, bad 2018, a little unlucky in 2018. But now this year, he's stopped making contact with the baseball. And it's like, well, when Gary Sanchez makes contact with the baseball, that's when, that's when Gary's at his best.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you can say that about any player, you know, you have to make contact one way or another or at least enough contact. Right now, Gary Sanchez is not even making close to enough contact. I mean, you know, it's okay to have a high whiff rate if you're, you know, capitalizing when you need to. Because look at someone like Luke Voit, for example. He has a very high whiff rate, actually. Now, the guy whiffs quite a bit, you know. And, but he, that's okay because he still manages to take his walks when necessary despite his walk rate going down, which is fine. He's still aggressive. And anytime there's a meatball pitch, hard of the zone, he – destroys it he does what he needs to do with that's those pitches. the, issue. That's the, the issue does not we that, saw the, that's numbers. the big issue
0: yeah we yeah. saw the, the meatball sure. numbers gary i don't believe gary has a hit on a meatball this year on a pitch right down the middle and he is not hitting fastballs not that just is talking. just it's really concerning it's really concerning and really i don't He's got to figure that out. He's got to, it's mechanic. it's got to be mechanical. I don't think his bat speed went that, 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 that sour, that quick. I think he's got to do something different here.
1: I think it's both mechanical and mental. I think it's a bit of both for sure. Um, You know, the Yankees definitely have a predicament right here, right here with Gary Sanchez, Let's hope they, they figure it out, but there's not too much they can really do if it's mental, which I think it might be. Um. As for mechanical, you know, people love to shit on the coaches so much, but it's up to the players to make the necessary changes after the adjustments are made and given, you know. So much a coach can do, and that's the reality of it. You know, I saw people trashing Matt Blake the other day because of, the, you know, the pitching performances recently. But, you know, how, what do you expect the guy to do? You know, when Jordan Montgomery has a start like that, what? What do you expect him to do? Magically fix him for the rest of that start? When pitching coaches go to talk to their pitcher, do you think they say, oh, you have to make this mechanical change and they'll fix the rest of the start? No. More often than not, it's just going to be a simple little pep talk. That's pretty much all the pitching coaches do during games. It's it's the outside of that makes pitching coaches so valuable. And that's where Matt Blake comes into play because of his analytical mind where he's able to make these changes to spin rates and really just make crazy changes that you probably don't even know about. So...
0: Before you go trash and Matt,
1: we lost, we lost Luke. We five lost minutes. Luke. Then he's not a bad coach, and I can guarantee you, right? uh well, point is, Matt Blake doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We, we 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 all we all caught the point. It's yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, uh, Matt Blake, Matt Blake's okay. Matt Blake's, uh, but Matt Blake is not the reason why Garrett Cole got shelled. Matt Matt Blake's not the reason why Jordan Montgomery got shelled. You can teach the player whatever you want. Size. Very small, very small. Two starts, really. I think everyone's kind of running I, hot I, because it's I, I only 60 games. Season. Dude, that, that's my point. I mean, the whole season is only
1: 60 games. I'm not even gonna judge Matt Blake on this year. Next year is where I'm gonna be more interested in seeing the full pitching development over the course of a real and full season. After that. I will make my assessment on Matt Blake, but this year, I'm not making assessments on anyone based on shitty performances. I'm just not. I mean, I'll be encouraged by guys that perform good, of course, but, you know, I'm not going to shit on guys if they have a bad year entirely because you don't know what they're going to do in a full season. You're talking four months where
0: they could could have potentially made it up. Yeah, Garrett Cole is losing 20 starts this year. He's losing. That's what he's losing. He's losing twenty starts to turn it around and turn into the Cy Young guy we know he is. All right. So like it's just hard That's because the guy has one bad start. It could mess up his entire his entire line. Oh my god, Garrett had a four ERA this year? Well we he, well he's been great for like ten out of the twelve starts but the two starts he stunk. And that kinda of tanked the numbers. And it's just like it's like you just really can't judge this year. You can judge the batters a little bit more, but really, is 12 starts enough to judge a starting pitcher? No. These guys throw 30 every year. So, that's, that's
1: yeah, fine. I actually fully agree with that. I think the batters you can judge definitely judge more because the sample size is going to look a bit better. And plus, you can just get an idea of where they're at to an extent. You know, with someone like Luke Voigt, Who we, you know, he was hurt at the end of last year. So it was important to see this year, even though it was a short season, how is his body going to respond now that the the core injuries are gone? He looks like he's in better shape. And we're seeing right now he's having a great year. And I think that's very important for the Yankees to see because now that's a guy they can rely on at first base for the foreseeable future. Because going into the season, you know, we had a lot of Mike Ford versus Luke Boyd talk. I can guarantee you there's going to be none of that going
0: into next year. Nope, that's dead. That's dead. All right. But that's dead. Uh, Luke Voigt, like Clint, he did it. He he proved he did everything that he yep. needed to do in the offseason. He made all the improvements, got in better conditioning, got slimmed down. He's hitting for a high average, which is pretty cool to see. It's not it's not really something you see these days where you see like a slugger like this, like this big meaty slugger who swings so hard, hit like three hundred. So that's a really cool thing to see. He's got—if he were playing a full season—he'd be on like a 40 homer pace or something like that. So they're really, just yeah, Luke Boy—he's the future at first base, and you can't really question it. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, both of those players have really earned their spots moving forward, and I couldn't be happier for the both of them. And I think yeah. this year, you know, a number of other guys too that might end up. Yeah, solidifying their roles on this team, you know, whether it be someone like Johnny to go, who I think is going to be a big part of the pen next year, even more so than this year. Cause this year, we saw quite a bit from him in the pen. And I liked what I saw for the most part, I do think you know, is definitely hurting him a bit, but I see a lot of good stuff from Johnny so far. So I'm definitely looking forward to a full season of him and, um, you know, guys like Nick Nelson too. And of course we're going to talk about this maybe next. Um, Davy Garcia, bro. Only one game, of course, but you cannot oh, yeah. be Let,
0: more let's get, encouraged let's get by that first Davey. start, of the games, let's, man. And let's, wait, 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 let's recap. He said straight up that yeah. one
1: start alone. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was going to say
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say that. One say, start
1: alone. Say. I'm not gonna say
0: made him off
1: limits, but I played it played a role.
0: Yeah, really, it made them more comfortable. Basically, what Clappers was saying, because I was the one that that listened. It was basically him saying that Clap that Davy's Start really made them very comfortable saying, "Hey, we don't really, we can just give this guy a shot here," because they were already really interested in Davy. Like they are, they were really intrigued by what he brings to the table, because he's not quite like anyone in in the minor leagues. Because he's got that weird deceptive delivery that nobody does anymore, besides Cueto. He's got this high spin rate. He's this kind of shorter guy, which is like intriguing, and he's got like this crazy spin rate. And so it's like, yeah, this guy just this guy just shoved against the Mets, which is a good lineup. And let's just see.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, right now
0: with the state of the rotation, Davey
1: Garcia is without a doubt. You know, part of this rotation now. I think I really don't think there's any doubt there. And um, like you said, the spin rate was really great. His delivery is very interesting, and I think that um, you know, I'm I'm very surprised honestly. Um, because going into this year, although I I like Davey, and I'm gonna be honest, I had doubt about him as a starter strictly because of his frame. And of course, he struggled a bit during um summer camp. But you know what? That didn't. Yeah, that does a lot of guys struggle during summer camp at this last spring training. Exactly. So um I took that with a grain of salt, but of course it left a naturally just left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. So um I kinda went into the season a little down on him. And plus he just never seemed as polished as a guy like Clark Schmidt, who I really was so all in on and still am, to clarify about him. Um, now that Davy Garcia is really showing he's more polished than we could have thought, probably. I think that he's gonna get a and Clark Schmidt, well, honestly, I don't think he's going to get any this year. I'm being honest. I think he's going to stay down the entire year. And next year, the Yankees will go into the season, give him a start. And I think he's not even going to get his start, honestly, until after they get another year another year of service time. After the one they just got this year. Because they're going to manipulate that as much as they can. Because I know the Yankees by now.
0: They are milking Clark's financial cow right now. Uh, yeah, so- yep. Uh yeah, I would have unless there's an injury. Unless there's say Tanaka's head explodes, yeah, well, or or Jordan Monk in the bed here. Don't do that again, Jordan. Avoid that. Uh, so let's recap. Let's recap the games, and then we'll get into the Rays-Yankees rivalry. Uh, so when was the last time we recorded? Um, it had, it had to be right before the Mets series, right? It, it couldn't have been any three, year earlier. It was, oh, I believe, three series ago, right? Three, we didn't three. We what, was before, what was it before the Mets? It was the Braves, Braves series, right before the Braves. So, all right, I'm not going to get too, we're not going to get too much into that Braves series other than Cole, that was when Cole had his first stinker, Judge got hurt. It was terrible. Yeah, we lost I, both games. Chapman blew us, no, no. Green blew the blew the save in the eighth on the second game. It was terrible. We had a rain delay. I believe there was like a that was during when the uh, the uh, boycotts were going on, and that was crazy. And then the Mets series. Let's just get into the Mets series. The first two games that was not yeah. fun. that fun. but the the last three yeah. games that was really fun. So let's get into the Mets series. Uh, I forgot who started, honestly. Uh, I'm not even gonna do a full um,
1: full yeah. recap entirely. I'm just gonna gonna run through it for the sake of time because I don't even think um, we need to really run run through it. But um, yeah, just, just yeah. to sum this up a bit, um, the Yankees ended up winning three of five, correct?
0: Yeah, they won three of five. They won the last three. Yeah, um, they won the last three
1: of that five, and then um first two obviously did not look as good. And beyond that, um, you know, he had a lot of standout performers, of course. Actually, look pretty good in that series. I'm, I'm pretty sure he lost him going crazy. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty and much. And beyond him, Edwin Diaz. Uh, Edwin Diaz continued to be Edwin Diaz. You know, um, that was... <laughs> that was fun. I love facing Edwin Diaz. I wish we could do it more. The guy's just not good at all, which is so sad considering how good his stuff is.
0: Yeah, he's got in, like he's, like... he's, like, the most unlucky pitcher in baseball. He's got, like... He's got these great expected stats. He's got he's got this great fastball, this great slider, but he's, like... every Every, every time he starts... He gives up a ball that's hit that ends up going in like the first row and it just ruins everything. Yeah. Like, I believe, like, his first, yeah. Game, yeah. I believe against like his first seri- game against the Braves, he got Marcelo Zuna got him on a, a ball that barely got out. It didn't even look like it was supposed to get out. And then Aaron Hicks hit, hits a porch job. It goes like a few inches over the wall. And it's just like Edwin Diaz right there. That was one of the great comebacks I've seen <laughs> in a while.
1: No, that was definitely one of my favorite games of the season. That win felt so good. And, um, I forgot to mention the game before that, the uh, previous day, um, Delon Patances gave us the W with a wild pitch, giving me some, oh, yeah. you know, flashbacks there. <laughs> you Delon doing his thing.
0: That
1: <laughs> yes, he, he was the lone source, of the offense, I think. And, um, Really, Dan, um, Yadrian Diaz just came up clutch. Mhm. Eric Kratz, he has Kratz baby, Kratz with those balls. up clutch in that series. I mean, Eric Kratz is. Oh, we'll get into him a little bit more once we talk, oh, about, talk the, about the um, baby hop, start a little bit more.
0: We gotta talk about. Oh, oh half. Yep. You know I mean, Jay come has... on, man. He's throwing. He's on fire wow. right now. He's, he's like he's our third best pitcher. Seven innings.
1: He actually managed to pitch the longest outing of the entire season for the Yankees among all-stars. He pitched into Here's
0: the That was crazy, man. Like, I was what do I,
1: I... That was 2018 j Hat vibes. Not a lot of strikeouts, a lot of weak contact and ground ball. Giving us a good amount of length. It was... It was pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. That was, that was
0: pretty cool. It was exactly what we needed.
1: Put him in the Hall well, of Fame. Doing a small deep dive on J-Hab right now, I'm actually fascinated. Um, you know, like, his hard hit isn't good. His exit velocity isn't good. Of course, the K rate isn't good. But if you're looking at, like, expecting batting average and expected slugging, it's actually pretty high. Oh, wow. Uh, What's his, like, his expected batting average is it's, like, it's not, like, crazy high, but expecting batting average is 71st percent. Expecting slugging is 69th. Huh. The 73rd. I mean, those are some decent metrics. He's a pretty
0: decent pitcher
1: right now. Wow. And for the season, he's at a 4.05 ERA right now. Would you have and t- taking that from Hap going into the season, I think everyone would say yes.
0: Bro, right now he's gonna start Game Four of the playoffs. At this rate, like I didn't expect him to be a playoff starter, I mean, now bro, he's, he's been good.
1: Keep in mind, we all oh, shit on this dude. Yeah. rightfully so too. Get off a lot there, Tom. <laughs> What's up? But um, you know he's only. Only four games he's been in so far. Just four games. So, we're basically two good games and two shitty games. Half and half. Again, it just goes to show his short season is very misleading. Very misleading.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Last year, wasn't good, obviously. This year, uh, he started off bad, and then that that made us all kind of jump on him. And it was like, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Happ's doing it again. He's he's, he's being bad again. We're seeing 2019 Jay happ These last two starts, he just isn't giving up hard contact. He's hitting his spots. He's being aggressive. He's a little pissed off because of his contract situation. So I think he's got just, like, this this chip on his shoulder. And you can kind of see it. He's like, I don't give a crap anymore. I'm just going to throw my fastball on on the spots. I'm going to hit my spots. I'm going to get... Go deep into games. I'm going to help the team win. And I'm trying to get my $17 million. Yeah, that pretty much sums
1: it up. And right now, um, but the Yankees are absolutely not going to let him get there regardless of how he plays. Let's keep it no, real here. No, I, they, they're I, I not. Want I still. Oh yeah, me too, and I the Yankees do too, especially after this COVID year where they're looking to shed as much salary as possible in places they can. They are not going to pay J-Hab in his age, what 39 season maybe, um, 17 million dollars. There's no chance in hell. Just, not, of happening. just like that. not
0: happening. It's
1: just not.
0: But yeah,
1: that's just opinion. us being but, honest.
0: But hey, whenever he starts at this point, whenever he starts, he's starting today. I'm going to root I'm going to root my ass for him. I hope that he ends up with I believe he needs like 10 starts or like 60 innings. I hope he ends up with 9 starts and 59 innings. So we can avoid the option but also have him pitching as well as he possibly can.
1: Yeah, I, I think Jay Happ is finally going to I I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be a stud the rest of the year. I think he's going to be a serviceable arm for the most part when he pitches as long as, quite honestly, as long as the Yankees don't screw with him too much because, you know, pitchers are very routine or skipping this guy's start a lot, which they might have to if they're not going to reach that. It might screw with his performance a bit. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. I hope, hope it doesn't because Yankees need all the good starts they can get.
0: Yeah, I don't have time. I don't have time for for to scream for Clark Schmidt. All right, I don't have time. I just need my pitchers to be good. Okay, just be good. Uh, and so I that, would that, love that, to see that, Clark. You no. Know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just that, let's let that segue into the Ray series, and this one we'll will kind of recap. Uh, game one was Cole, and that wasn't fun. Yikes. Uh, you can you can take this, this one. Atrocious you, for being perfectly honest. Yeah. Uh, All right, I, believe,
1: I get the fun job here. I believe void homered, so that's good. <sighs> I mean, yeah, it's something. Uh, you know, um, Cole said himself. You know, this loss is on him. There's no doubt, and he he feels that there's a chance he might have been tipping his pitches. He knows there are adjustments he needs to make right now, and That was a very important game. And he he's handling the New York media very well so far. And he's been very professional. And just listening to the way he speaks, I can tell he's going to get out of this. I'm not really worried about him. I never have been. He's the kind of guy where he's going to figure it out because he is too smart not to figure it out. He's too talented not to figure it out. I mean, this dude could get by on his sheer stuff, which he has this year already because he has Garrett Cole most of the season. And he still has managed to have ERA under four. just just because this year's stuff has been able to get him through everything. And um, just looking at the box score, you know, Gio Urshela had a home run that game, which was nice. Luke Voigt went yard. And Garrett Cole, you know, he pitched five innings and gave up four runs, which is not a good game at all. But it could have been worse given the way it started, you know. I was expecting more of a shit show.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he battled. Uh, I believe Clapper said Battled. Clapper said that it's mechanical. Actually, it's a uh, he he's speeding up his arm when he throws his slider, and that makes him yank it. It uh you you uh-huh. have and it's just it's a mechanical thing that's very correctable, but it's just like sometimes it, it's just like it makes the slider inconsistent because his his arm speed is over accelerating, he's going is overdoing it. And he's yanking it. It's not good, but it's fixable. And you know, when you don't have your slider, he's not. I don't think he's throwing his curveball enough, in my opinion. But when he, he's just relying mm-hmm. on fast, he's relying on fastball too much. He's he's trying to he's trying to be a little. He's got he's got a little ego about it. Uh, that Pedro Martinez said he's got a little bit of an ego about yeah. it. He Wants to blow it by you because he doesn't have his slider. And you know they the rays the rays were expecting fastball. They were expecting a fastball, and uh, Troy got him on a slider, but they were ripping his fastball like it was nothing. nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, G-Mon Troy, not going to lie, he is the most annoying player in the history of baseball for me right now because he just destroys Garrett Cole and the Yankees every freaking time we play them, and it freaking kills me because, I mean, it just feels like he should not be that good. I mean... The guy isn't even having that good of a year. He just kills the Yankees. He has a 752 OPS on the year. Like Actually, well, that's looking at that game. He probably he just throw his a little speed. lower now. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, I just don't get it. And Glass now, I mean, the dude had a no-hitter for a while in that game, right? Like. Yep.
0: I believe DJ it was the one that broke
1: embarrassing. Yeah, it was just pretty embarrassing to be a Yankees fan for that game. And the yep. next day, yeah, things this got a, a little, little thing. Now we can have a little bit of fun. It won't last, but you know what? I'll take the fun I can get. All right, so Tuesday, the Yankees end up winning 5-3. to three. Same score that the Rays beat them yesterday. Tanaka does his thing and he continues to be the anchor of this rotation because he's stepping up like he always does. And we have some drama in this game. Tanaka hits Joey Wendell, and people question whether or not it was intentional. But, but you know what? I'm gonna say it absolutely was. There were two oh, pitches yeah. in a row that hit, oh, and yeah. they were, yeah, they were his hardest fastballs of the entire year. And just this is kind of random, but um, just a side note. It's always fun to see that Tanaka is always capable of dialing it up whenever he wants to. That's such a useful tool. Like. <laughs> That's why he does so good in the postseason. The guy just dials it up to 95 when he needs it.
0: But um, I just yeah, that was that was that was on
1: purpose. <laughs> no, no doubt. That was definitely intentional. And the reason why they responded that way is because the whole in just in general this year they've been getting a lot of fastballs up and in on the Yankees. They have not liked it, especially on DJ. I think Boone said going into that last game of the series he counted maybe six fastballs up and into DJ on the year and that is something they were not happy about because DJ is obviously such an important part of this team and if you lose him for we're an extended period of time it, it's over, you know. I mean just look at the change in the offense since he's been back. Um obviously it's the offense sports. is not full, it's it's not there yet. We're not full strength at all, but you can feel a difference in the team already. Well it two home
0: runs in the game we won.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was so awesome to see for a guy that we've been, we said early in the year, you know, we'd like to see more power despite the high average and there's your power. There you know, we, DJ's power came later in the year last year. So I think that the power is real from last year, maybe not 27 or whatever it was, but maybe like 20 ish, you know, I yeah. think that's very around where DJ is over the course of a full season. But um, anyway, yeah, um, DJ went deep. Twice that game, and that's where most of the runs came from outside of um, Urshela, who I think had an uh, RBI double, if I remember correctly. No, was and, that, and... no that was
0: the uh, inside the park, the little league inside the Parker. Or... Oh,
1: that was. Oh, you're right, Doug. You're right. Okay.
0: Yeah, makes I believe, sense. Like, um I believe uh, Voigt got a hit, then Clint got a hit, and then uh yeah. the ball past Kiermeyer. Yes, you are um, correct. And then that was lovely, and that made it like 5-1, and then. Yeah, But no, it was like 5-2. to two, Then Adamus hit a homer off of a wise gun. That yep. was it. And then, and ninth then
1: inning,
0: from there, ninth inning, ninth inning
1: Chapman comes in doing his intimidating look at the Rays. Throws fastballs up and into all the batters. They are not liking it, not having a good time. And um, Brasseau on the Indians, he was up at the plate end. Chapman Damn near takes his head off with a hundred um hundred one mile per hour fastball and it's like they are absolutely livid. Kevin Cash is running out there saying this is total bullshit. He's so pissed off. And you know what? At that time at least, I think Cash being upset was more than reasonable. At that time at least. But what he said was fair at that given time. He had you know, cause Tanaka, he was hitting the rays in response to all the up and in fastballs. That was the response. It was over. The Rays were done. They were not going to do anything back. That was it. But then when Chapman decides to throw at the Rays, you're taking it to another level because the conflict is already over at that point. I mean, Joey Wendell was just laughing as he was running the first base because he knew. He knew what that was, and he accepted it. The whole team accepted it. But once you keep that going, you're just asking for trouble the rest of the year pretty much, even though we're not playing them again until the postseason, hopefully. But um yeah, it just goes to show you Chapman is a I love him, but he's a bit of a troublemaker and that was not a good look. But Kevin Cash, he has an even worse look in the post game, and that's something me and Tom were talking about a lot, because he essentially threatened the Yankees saying that he has a full stable of guys that throw 98 miles per hour, essentially saying, watch out, because we have guys that throw almost as hard as Chapman, and we are not afraid to have them throw up and in. And he straight up admitted to throwing at Austin Romine a few years ago, so that was fun. So, yeah. yeah, not a not a good look on both sides.
0: Yeah, really, like, uh, kind of admitted to having uh, Austin Romine almost almost killed, honestly. Uh yeah. Just like uh, – and it's been Kittredge who's been throwing up and in all year to DJ. Kittredge has thrown multiple things yeah. up and in. It's been Ki- So, Kittredge is a big kind of troublemaker. I believe he's still on the team. I, b- I believe he had like a 70 or a in 2018. So, really, all he's good for is a knockdown. Uh, shots fired, of course. I believe Boone handled it very well. Uh, he did. Boone, Boone – Boone handled it in a mature fashion, and Kevin Cash threatened our team. And that he es- Boone de-escalated it. Cash escalated it. Uh, so there, there you go there.
1: Yeah, Aaron Boone absolutely responded in the most professional way possible. I really have a lot of respect for the guy. I've always said I will always support him because I think he's a good manager despite a little bit of a rough year at times. But aside from that, I think he's a phenomenal person. He connects with the players so well. So, you know, in situations like that, it's always good to see how he responds. And he did everything he could have to keep it professional, unlike Kevin Cash, who I really – don't like. It's very similar to the way I didn't like Alex Cora after that one interview in um, maybe it was 2018. Um, I forgot what he said, but I remember it's the one where he just walks off after.
0: Yeah, and how's he, that for
1: a quality start? Yeah, yeah, like it's the same type of thing where it just brushed me off in such a wrong way where forever now, I'm just going to dislike the dude. I just like, don't think, I just don't ever, think
0: managers will be like that.
1: Be like that. No, it's very just unprofessional and it's just a horrible look. Like, he's talking about you're teaching your players the wrong things and we're talking about Aaron Boone. Well, look at what you just taught your players. You're, you're Man, you just admitting to, wrong admit to having Kittridge throw it, Roll mine. <laughs> Like, if you're teaching them the wrong stuff entirely and you're going to question Boone and the coaching staff's teaching? Like, come on, that's just bullshit.
0: I mean, it's just it's the ultimate hypocritical kind of state there. I mean and then it is. then Boone and Cash got the same amount of games and Cash 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 was the guy that escalated Cash should have gotten two or three. And like obviously yeah, at least. That, that's obviously, not right. Yeah, obviously since Tanaka threw at Wendell, I'm okay with like we all know that Tanaka threw at Wendell on purpose. I I'm okay with Boone getting one game. But I'm not okay with Cash and Bone after Cash's conduct, getting the same amount of games.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't really disagree with that. And um, another thing I wanted to point out is um, you look at the Joe Kelly suspension. That was um, eight games, and that was after he appealed. And it just feels like even more after that, and Michael Kay was talking about this, they are really protecting the frickin' Astros, bro, because this is the exact same situation— and Joe Kelly got a much larger suspension for, what to me, what looked like what was unintentional, honestly. You know, Chapman, that it was, was intentional. Yeah, but Joe Kelly, that was not even an intentional thing. And he managed to get curveball. more than double Chapman's suspension. And initially, he had, like, triple. So, like, they're clearly just protecting the Astros MLB. And that's just so wrong. And it's just sending I mean, the wrong message across the nation that cheaters are gonna be protected, and cheaters are gonna end up having success. Essentially, like that's such a horrible message to
0: send to people. Uh, yeah, I just yeah, fuck fuck the Astros. I don't I don't I don't I don't, I don't care anymore about them. They just I, I want I want to play them. I want to play them in the playoffs. I want to win. I want to yep. them. Uh, We need to get that one back. Uh, but yeah, I don't we don't like the Rays. The Rays don't like us. And it feels like, even though we're in a bit of a slump now, we're kind of destined to play them in the playoffs. It kind of it kind of has that vibe that it's almost inevitable that we're gonna to have to face them, and we're gonna to have to figure out a way to win. They're they're gonna be in a bubble, so it's not like we have to play at the Trop, but it's not like we have the luxury of being at Yankee Stadium either. And uh, yeah, may the best team win. May
1: the best team win indeed, and. I guess we can move on to the final game of this series now. And this one, unfortunately, on is not very good. I mean, this is over. a classic story. The game was over the first
0: inning. Like,
1: this is a classic story of the Yankees recently. Starter does horrible. Bullpen saves it. Gives the team a chance. Offense does not do enough. That is pretty much the story of the Yankees right now. Jordan so Montgomery. He didn't just have a bad start. Like this was not like a cold type of start where he went, he grinded. He went five innings, gave up four runs. No, he gave up four runs, but he only won zero point two innings. Oof. That's it. bullpen had to cover eight and a third innings.
0: Like, I mean, point, my god, point two, point two innings, point two. He got two outs, point two. I think he was squeezed a little bit, but, I mean, he was leaving that changeup up. Oh, it was getting crushed. They had his number. I believe he hung a curveball to Brasseau. No, he, it was something like that. It was, I don't even remember it. It was like, it was almost like a shell shot. It was like, whoa, 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 what's happening here? I thought Monty was going to go in there, have his good sinker, throw some curveballs, throw, throw some nasty changeups. Instead, he was hanging everything. He looked scared too. He didn't look. He didn't look like Monty. He looked like someone that that just was chinned his pants on the mound.
1: Yeah, I love Monty. I still have faith in him. I think he's a great pitcher. And this in this kind of year, his numbers for the year are gonna look horrible now, especially after that. It, his year statistically, I can guarantee you, it's not gonna look good. It's just not, unless he straight up dominates next month. Hey, and, I would like. I would like him to. Oh, me too. And with that said, um, I still have no doubts about him for the future, at the very least. But this year, um, we're gonna have to see. You know, right now he's competing for a rotation spot for the playoffs. Um, I would like to think he's gonna get one, but right now the guaranteed spots are obviously Cole and Tanaka, and beyond that, it's whoever pitches well in September, pretty there much. I mean, they, there are two spots. Yeah, Jay Happ's gonna be in contention for, and um, maybe that's the kids will be in contention if it's well enough. Yeah, and if he manages to get healthy and figure it out, highly doubt, by the way, but you never know. Yeah, and, I, um,
0: I can't see that, really.
1: Of course, Jordan Montgomery himself. So there's quite a few different arms in that race right now for the final two rotation spots. And who knows, maybe the Yankees even decide to be bold and do maybe a Debbie Garcia thing where he pitches a few innings and they bullpen the rest, which would not awesome. shock me. I, I don't support it. I don't support I, it, but I would not. I mind, like, a combo start. start.
0: Like one, one of them throws imagine, like two, the other throws like three. It's I funny. know they won't do this, but
1: imagine Davey Garcia followed by Clark Schmidt.
0: Oof, that would be that would be That'd like a wet dream. That would be a wet dream for me. Yeah, I, that, that would be a fun game. I still think they should call Clark, but you know, whatever. They're not, they're not, they won't. yeah, it's like. Yeah. I can't I can't root for another injury either. I'm sorry, Clark. I can't do it. I can't I can't say I hope it's Tanaka over. falls off here. I just can't do it. Well, yeah. Tanaka's actually having a really good year, man. I'm I'm happy with yeah. him. Tanaka's a good pitcher and he should be back next year. He has one he's I mean, a stinker, yeah. one every five starts, but you know what? The other four are usually fantastic. People just look at his
1: metrics and they're like, uh, you know, he's not really... He's high, but I don't care about the metrics because he's proven at this point. It's been... Uh, it's enough of a sample size where I don't care about the metrics anymore with him. Yeah, because I'm a big Aaron metrics Nato, guy in John general. John
0: Arenado always outperforms his expected stuff. And, you know, at this point, he's been playing for like a decade. Who cares? Exactly.
1: Metrics are important for guys that are just starting out for me when evaluating, but if you perform for a long enough time, then I have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And Tanaka has without a doubt earned that at this point. I mean, the guy consistently pitches you an ERA in the threes almost every year. I always feel confident with him on the mound. He always competes. And again, he always has that second level when he wants to get there, especially in the postseason. When he wants to dial that fastball up and throw some nasty, nastier pitches, he's capable of doing it. It just exerts a bit more energy, I think, and he's a little bit... I still think the elbow... I don't, I'm not worried about it, to clarify, but I do think he keeps it in his mind because he knows he has to limit himself to an extent. Otherwise, he's going to throw his arm out. And he's more than aware of this.
0: He's a very good pitcher, and you know what? It's very useful. You know, he just knows how to pitch. He's a craftsman. He's just like, yeah, I think he's someone that will just continue to do what he's been doing into like his late 30s. Honestly, I don't, I don't really see him as Me someone going to age poorly. I feel like he's already done what CC Sebastian kind of needed to do. He's like, he's just, he's just gonna break and ball you to death, honestly.
1: Yep. And um you know his walk percentage continues to be otherworldly. He's walking it does it does 3. walk that's how you 8% knew percent of batter.
0: That's how you knew it was on pair. That's with
1: Joey Wendell. Yep. That's definitely how you knew because he literally he has pinpoint accuracy consistent consistently. Like every single year he has been aside from one year, he's been in the top eight percent the top ten percent of the league in walks. Always.
0: He's, he's, he's very useful, very, very good pitcher. He's probably about a three or four. But you know what? To us, he's number one in our hearts.
1: And when it gets to the postseason, he's capable of being a one. Yeah,
0: he, he just is. locks it in.
1: He didn't deny it. You, could, you shouldn't count on him as a one for sure in the postseason. But he will often perform as if he was an ace when you get there, and that's such a good weapon to have on you, because if if Gever Cole's doing his thing, and you have that t- Tanaka doing his thing, that's a pretty good one-two punch you have going into the postseason, and if you can just get, in my opinion, just one more guy to step up and perform at
0: least solid. I'm I glad you're mentioning easy. this. I'm glad you're mentioning this. I'm going to tell you something right now. I fully expect Tanaka oh, back next year. Uh, it's very. It's, it seems inevitable. This dude's just a Yankee for life. All right. I cannot wait until Severino returns mid-season next year. Are You telling me that we can have a play? Amazing. That we can have a playoff rotation of Cole Severino, Tanaka, as the front three?
1: That's fucking nasty, man. And just
0: think, your, your four and five is
1: going to be any of Jordan Davey, Montgomery, Davey. Clark Schmidt, Davey Garcia. Like I can, I'll bet money right now at least one of those three ends up having a great year next year. At least one of those three. And I would bet, and I expect more than one, but I, I guarantee at least one of them performs at a above-average level.
0: And I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to tell you one thing. I don't think that Savvy's recovery is going to be like Jordan Montgomery's recovery, where they let him have one start and just really didn't count on him. I think Severino, they're gonna count on him about July next year i don't i don't see it. i think i think he's gonna be a big part of twenty twenty one he's gonna be our oh going to be, I, would, I would
1: he's gonna be our mid season edition i absolutely agree 'cause Well, Montgomery um, he came back a little later than Seve's he's probably gonna end up coming back that's the thing 'cause he got surgery during the season probably like maybe in If I had to guess, yes. When he got it, it. um, Sevi got it in March, right? Or no, February.
0: Late February or early March. Okay. By the way, it's very early. He
1: got it pretty early. Yeah. So it's at a point where he's gonna be back at a time where he, he has enough games to build his arm back up and get to that point where he can give solid length and be a big option in the postseason and I think the Yankees will count on him that way like you just said.
0: I have one last thing to say about Seve then we can just uh, preview this upcoming game slash series and just wrap it up. Uh, my last thing about Seve is that with his new arm, I'm almost if he's if he throws, if he does what, if he pitches like we know Seve can pitch, I'm almost comfortable giving him a, a, a con- another contract. I'm almost like I'm almost like more comfortable about it because he's got like it, a brand one. It new depends
1: contract. on um what he wants. I would say it depends on how much money he wants. Because for me, if it you're gonna extend him, it depends on the
0: terms and what he wants.
1: Well, yeah. Because uh, like if let's say he gets all greedy, you know, I want 25 mil. I'm like, no, I'm not giving you that based on half a year. But I would I give him let's say uh don't I don't know he has an 15 option. million or something. He does. I would offer you know, if he has a huge second half and he dominates that whole way, I offer an ex- an extra maybe two years at fifteen million per year and see if he bites, and if he doesn't, that's all right, we have an option, and we'll go from there
0: yeah i believe after, i believe he's a free agent after twenty twenty three I believe so he's got like he's I'll got to tell you right now he's got half a year in twenty twenty one a full year twenty twenty two and then his option year is twenty twenty three so he's got two and a half years yeah. to get to to get himself in position to get a contract, and I really think that. Severino and I'm sure he will. That. I mean, that's, there's that's literally
1: no denying his pure stuff.
0: I have no, no denying that. Yeah. And then what this upcoming game? I it's kind of weird doing a, an episode in which we only have we have like a makeup game to kind of preview. It's like.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot myself. Wow, okay.
0: There's a game at four. <laughs> so Man, it's
1: hat versus
0: I'm, I'm... someone else. Uh, yeah, we, we, we don't even know who it is yet. I I don't I don't I I'm kind of lazy to be honest, but I'm gonna check. It is Jay Hat going at City Field against the New York Mets. He is going to face Robert Gizelman. Okay, if Yankees don't crush him, they can go. He's been uh, I'm not even gonna face Like a five-year. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> uh, and then we've got an upcoming series against Baltimore, so let's let's uh, let's preview that just really quick. Uh, we've got a doubleheader Friday. Glaver is expected back. Uh, that that addition, I don't think we've even hit on that. Glaver's back, man. I mean. Come on, man. If he, well, if <laughs> yeah. all goes well today, he's back on, what, Friday or Saturday? And we got a doubleheader Friday, cold pitches Saturday. I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm just saying that.
1: As long as things continue to progress as they have been, guys continue to produce that, that should be producing, and guys return and slowly get back to par, up to par, up to level, then I'm going to feel pretty good. And the big key in the end, of course, is I'll say there's two big keys. One, like I said, you need one more starting pitcher to really step up. And B, you're definitely going to need Aaron Judge back in that lineup. Him more so than anybody.
0: Need Giancarlo, too,
1: man. Giancarlo would be a huge addition, of course, but I'm not counting on him as of now. I hope he, he comes back and makes me want to count on him. But Judge is someone I look at. I say, we need him. There's no making it to the World Series without him. But Stan, yeah. I see us still getting there.
0: Yeah, really? If, if he's judge, not there. With Judge, you're missing both intangibles and tangibles. You're missing, you're missing the gold glove defense. You're missing the power. You're missing the on-base percentage, of course. But you're also missing your captain. And that's just... When you're missing someone like that, and that's why it's so hard to kind of name him captain. Because obviously you can't pay someone... Like the Clapish interview I t- uh, we we referred to earlier, they they can't pay him because it seems like there's always something with him, and that's how I feel with Paxson. It's like there's always something that's going to come up. There's always going to be a neck issue. There's always going to be a back issue. There's always going to be an arm issue. There's just one thing heals the other, another thing kind of happens. And until Judge proves mm-hmm. that that he can. Stay on the field. If he plays 150 games next year, the whole the whole concept of signing him becomes very very easier to, to to see.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think that the Yankees are in a good position with their players to extend them. If well, honestly, I'm going kind of tight on it because I'm and now I'm thinking of. About it actually. The Yankees really don't, I don't think they want to spend much at all next offseason, regardless. I think if they extend anybody, it'll be in the following offseason. Just a gut feeling. I think that they're really not looking to spend money when they don't have to yet. I
0: the Yankees, think the Yankees just like know they're going to they, get there, though. can pay them whenever they want.
1: Well, that's the big
0: thing, of course. Yeah, they're like, hey, Judge, if, if you play two straight years and you play like an MVP and you know, play full seasons, they have no problem just saying, hey, here's your seven-year deal. Enjoy.
1: And part of me feels like with Judge, they're going to end up waiting till he's a free agent, and then they're going to give him... They're going to use that as leverage because he'll be at that age where he might not be able to get as many years as he was. Which sucks to think that they would do that to Judge, but I can totally... I expect that to happen just because I it's a business. It. And that's the reality of it
0: much as we love the guy you have to play you I mean every year it seems we have to go a large chunk of the season playing our backups and it's just like our backups are backups for a reason there's no replacing Aaron Judge there's no replacing Glaber Torres there's no replacing Giancarlo Stanton that's what makes it so frustrating you can't replace these people and expect to be successful
1: the next man up thing was fun while it lasted, but in most cases, when you have that many backups um, playing, they're going to get exposed. Most of these guys are not going to be able to perform at an above average level for the full year. Like we had in 2019, where you literally hit every single option, figuring it out, whether it be, you know, Cameron may been coming in, raking uh geo raking, although he's still raking, but you know what? He's an exception. Mike Ford doing his thing last year. And, so on, so forth. You just had every single guy that could step up, step up. And that's kind of what the Rays have going on right now, where they have so many different injuries on their pitching staff, but you wouldn't even know because every guy that they rely on still to this day, we saw it in that race series. They still managed to pitch extremely well and it has not really hurt them much so far. So, you know, props to them. But if I'm being honest, um, I think they're having a case of what we had last year, a lot of luck, honestly, and I don't think it's, well, it might not last. We're going to have to see. I I hope it doesn't, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, that's, I think they're just having kind of a nice run, uh. you know, but I'm just tired of having to re- kind of constantly replace the guys that we kind of expected to lead us to a championship. We expect Aaron Judge to mm-hmm. lead us to a championship. There is no winning a championship if Aaron Judge isn't playing right field in the playoffs. It just won't happen. It won't happen. Mm-hmm. We need these guys on the field. And honestly, if Judge couldn't run to second base without re-aggravating the calf, Stanton couldn't slide into second base without. He probably tore the hamstring, knowing him. He it's it. I don't think it's a strain anymore. I think he tore it. Let me be honest. All right, it's taking way too long. It's it's it's. I think he tore it. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, you know. Glaver couldn't run to first base. I mean, what's what's happening, man? And like we just, there's no winning a championship without them.
1: Unfortunately, the Yankees have been having to play without them, like we like you said, and we need them to win that championship. So hopefully, Glavine Torres manages to produce at his 2019 level again. Everyone comes back and performs to their to it doesn't even have to be to their best. At least at a serviceable level where they're at least being somewhat close to what they should be. I don't need Stanton to be an MVP when he comes back, but do I need him to play, I don't know, maybe to an 850 OPS or something? Yeah, because it's Giancarlo Stanton. You expect that kind of production out of him. I don't need a 1,000 OPS, but I need solid, all close to all-star level production at least, and that's the reality of it. So right now, as Yankee fans, all we can do is hope for the best, and let's hope we kick the Rays—not the Rays, um, the Orioles out. Yep, and the series, and that we
0: take care of the Mets today. Yep, and my last point is, well, we we didn't we didn't go yeah. into this season with we didn't go into the season caring about MVPs. We didn't go into the season caring about you know All Star appearances, uh, Cy Youngs. We don't care. The reason we are playing this 60-game season is for one reason, and that's to win a championship. So if they can get back, if George Stan and Glaber can get back, play like we know they can, and win us a championship, all will be forgiven, and then we'll focus on keeping them healthy in, in a full season next year. So that's about it. That's all I got. Yeah, that pretty much sums up everything for me too. I think we
1: got everything out, and – um. Hopefully, next podcast, we'll have a lot of good stuff to talk about that doesn't make us want to cry, you know? That'd be nice. You
0: Wade has to Oh, yeah. Yep, that's, <laughs> T- that's ways about- baby. That's yeah.
1: a wrap. All right, Tom. This has been fun, as always. Eddie, we missed you. We will hopefully have you on next time. And until then, go Yanks.
0: Go Yanks.